Dan Lindley Thomas. So he's on the phone line. Daryl Ilbury, how's it, friend? The friend is well. The friend is very well. The friend is relaxed and it's, hey, you know, it's Cape Town. You, you can't get aggro about anything except the traffic. <laughs> oh, it's so nice to have you on East Coast Radio. What an absolute treat. I wish it was under different circumstances, uh, but wonderful nonetheless. So I hope you don't mind. I was going to start with uh, the couple of words that I wrote uh, earlier in the week after hearing that our very dear friend, uh, Johan van Bargen, had passed away. And I wrote that, you know, as a six-year-old child, I used to listen to East Coast Radio on the way to school every morning and hearing uh, JVB and uh, Daryl Ilbury, I can remember the seed of intention being silently sown. You know, I was always taken by the connection, imagination, play and immediacy of radio and loved hearing the joy and the banter. And when I got my foot into the door at East Coast Radio in 2004, you can imagine the surreal moment of meeting my creative gatekeepers. I mean, I worked with JVB every morning for a, a year while hosting the weekday breakfast show. And from the first day that I met him, it was a laugh a minute. I mean, he would arrive each and every morning, fresh, chipper, smelling like soap, armed with jokes and a cappuccino. And I always loved to see what T-shirt he would rock up wearing. And my best was this T-shirt that he wore with like a dog painting a wall. I, I can't explain it any better than that. And I loved sitting and hearing him, you know, tell me story after story of his life his insight, and of course, how to keep safe on the road. And I smile fondly thinking of the time, you know, we used to do corporate team building activities together and would see us each arriving with a car full of hula hoops and orange road cones and balls. And our, our, our friendship from day one was that regardless of time, would always remain the same. And I would grin when I got an out of the blue joke from him. I'll always remember the way his eyes smiled and crinkled in the corner and how he used to shake his wrist to move his gold bracelet when telling a story. I mean, even seeing him last month in a fragile and very unwell state, I sat on the floor next to his chair and his attitude was still there, upbeat, brave and in survival mode. Thank you for the time, JVB. Fly high, love always, Janie. Darren Albury, once again, welcome to East Coast Radio. Now, you met the legend in 1986. I know. How old were you in 1986? <laughs> I can't even do the maths. <laughs> <laughs> what was your first impression of him? Um, well, it was an interesting event because um, it was, I, I had joined, well, it was then Radio Pornatel earlier that year, and, and I was doing the afternoon show. And towards the end of the year, they, they said, Derek, we want you to do breakfast from, from the following year. So I said, okay, cool. Um, and so they had a little get-together with the sort of core team. Of, of, the, of the breakfast show at that stage. And it was, it was Johan, it was Ron Phillips who did racing, and it, of course it was Baron Standard at surfing. So immediately when I entered into that environment, those that core had already established themselves. And, and they were a team. They were a fascinating team. And the first time I met him, uh, I distinctly remember I was struck by he, he was come standing bolt upright. Um, he was incredibly neat. He was always meticulously dressed. Mm. Not a hair out of place. Um, and of course, you spoke about his eyes. He's got very piercing blue eyes. So he's a very sort of overbearing person when you f first meet him. But then he smiled, shook my hand, a really firm grip, mm -hmm. which for me is always a good indication of the, of the character of someone. And from that moment on, we just absolutely connected because he's, he's, a, he's a very authoritative figure, but at the same time, he's a rebel. So he somehow manages to, 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 to balance the both. And um, and I, I immediately connected with him, and and yeah, and then that was the start of it. I love the story you told me earlier in the week about how he kind of enc <laughs> encouraged you to start smoking. <laughs> 
I know. Well, well he, he smoked, uh, I won't say John Player Special, obviously, you know, but he used to smoke JPS, which is a bit of a tea bag of a cigarette. But I mean, and, but he made it so cool. I mean, that, that, that was the strength of his character. If he, was a, if he was a Marvel comic character, he would be Mr. Cool. He can make anything look cool. So he did. So, so I remember one day we, we, we were at the, the cinema, um, and there was, there was a cinema that was at, was, what is the ice rink now? I think Star Ocean City, and I distinctly remember going there and and ordering a box of JPS and, and coming back, and uh, my girlfriend and I said, "You don't smoke, that's all I do now." <laughs> I want to be cool like that, dude. <laughs> I want to be cool like him. Is that cool? Really I love like it. Him. Now, Daryl, you guys did the breakfast show at East Coast Radio for twenty years. Is that right? Yeah, it worked out to be about 20 years. 20 years we, we, we worked together, yeah. My gosh. What always stood out for me when listening was the fun and the, the fun and the games that happened on that show. Yeah, it was, I mean, that was, I mean, that was my job was to provide basically the fun and the games. But, I mean, what, what is interesting is that in a traditional breakfast show, you've got your, your, your key host or hosts, um, or, and, and then you have your maybe your psychic or you have your co-presenter, what have you kind of thing. And then you have what's known as your service elements who are your presenters for the news and what have you. And it, I thought it was such a coarse name. But for us, it was always, it was split the other way around. So your so that the news, the sport, the traffic um, and the surfing were, were the key, the most important uh, features of the show. My job was basically just to link in between them and just keep the energy going. Um, and especially amongst those, the traffic was the singularly most important, obviously, because lives depended on it. Um, and so if we were going to do anything, because he and I were such good friends, we got on so well and we teased each other. But what we had to make sure is that we never denigrated his authority. So that was easy, I mean, because he's Mr. Bulletproof. So we just said, all right, we built up the character of Mr. Bulletproof uh, in everything that we actually did. So instead of normally what would happen is he would be the fall guy of anything, it would always kind of bounce back onto me. So I'd be the fall guy because you couldn't, you couldn't denigrate Mr. Bulletproof. And that was the key component uh, to, to, to the success of the show. So talk to us about what we're going to hear in this uh, little audio clip. I kept this because this is one of the rare occasions where he messes up. Because generally what we did is we would prepare for every link. Um, a lot of people think we just go in and just talk rubbish. <laughs> and it sounds that, like that, but that's how good we were at, at <laughs> pretending to talk rubbish. But it, 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 every link was, was coordinated. It wasn't written down as scripted, but it was coordinated. And in this particular one, I said, okay. Uh, and he was describing something. I can't remember what it was. And I'm pretending to bash it out on the, on the studio computer. You can hear it in the background. And, and, and we tried to work out something. And then, I was, then he was supposed to say um, something along the lines of, no, it's very, very vague, vogue, but, and lead into vogue okay. by Madonna. Yeah. And he messes it up. Okay, here we go. Two teams have got to go two points, and that would have made four points more than the four teams. Uh, the, the four points that the, the team would have got, that they would have won. No, just, sorry, just say that again. So I'm just, all right, there are two teams that would have got two points, mm -hmm. which is together yep. two, yeah. four points four point. more three. than yeah. the team mm -hmm. that got through yeah. and that beat the team that only got four points. Okay. You know, you're right. Just, sorry, it's, it's clear though. It's, it's easy to understand. It's clear, it's clear for you, but for me it's a little, I don't know, it's a little vogue. Vogue. Vague, vague. Vague, uh, vogue. Vogue. The song is called Vogue. The oh, whole okay. thing is a big lead up to, to go into Vogue. Oh, you missed the whole thing up. I can't believe it. Shit. <laughs> I'm sitting here just grinning. <laughs> I kept that. 
did. So, yeah, it's, as I said, it's one of the few times that, that, that he missed it. There, there was a, a, I'll give you a perfect example of it. Um, one day we had um, a restaurant bring us some, some sushi, and we couldn't talk about the restaurant, but, I mean, it was nice to eat the sushi. And he said, no, he hates it. He, he hated the wasabi, you know, that, that very spicy green paste. So he set the whole thing up that he was to pretend that he's never had it before. So he'd point to the green stuff and we would say, no, it's like a mint paste and whatever type of thing. And you pick it up and you rub it on the inside of your nostril. <laughs> so, so, so then obviously the listener's thinking, oh my goodness, he's going to die kind of thing, you know. <laughs> so we pretended that he did it and he wipes it on the inside of his nostrils. And of course nothing happens because he's Mr. Bulletproof. So the whole joke bounces back and we become the subject of the bounce of the, of the joke. And, and he remains Mr. Bulletproof. It's those kind of things that we did every single day to, to, to develop his character and to, because he was such a key character of the show. We're paying a tribute to Johan van Bargen between uh, now and nine o'clock this morning, joined online from Cape Town with Daryl Ulbery. Um, what I wanted to ask you is, let, let's talk about how Johan was always able to make something like a traffic report so personal. There's, there's an art and there's a science to it. And I think what's important to bear in mind is that he, if you, in, in all the years I worked with him, the most overwhelming thing that I got from him was a sense of duty, whether it's to his family, to his friends, to his colleagues, but, but very, very specifically to, to his listeners. And he understood the, the, the science of, of broadcasting and, and, and especially communicating in, in broadcasting, that it's not what you put out, but it's what the, the listener takes in. So instead of, and people who know traffic reports all the way around the country would know that traditionally you say, all right, there's a truck broken down here, there, whatever type of thing. Mm -hmm. He understood that when someone's driving, that they can't process all that data. So what he'd do is he'd invert the pyramid, as it were. So he would actually say, if you're traveling from, on the N3 section, just, just past the, the, the petrol station on the left-hand side, whatever time, you'll find a truck broken down. Because he knew there's a big difference if a truck is broken down, if there's an accident and impact. And instead of saying things like, take an alternative route, he'd say, try and take this. Because he knew it. I mean, he'd, he'd driven all the, over all those roads in, in Durban for, for, for 10 years as a, as a senior policeman. So he knew every single back road. He knew those things like the back of his hand. And, but he was absolutely committed to the point that if, if we were, had a gag, gag running in the show and he came and he said, okay, if something serious has happened, we'd immediately stop absolutely everything. And we would make sure that we created the groundwork necessary for him to actually change the whole tone of the show and actually talk about something that was particularly serious. What I also found so like intriguing about him, touching on this, is when you saw him compiling his traffic reports, he was so focused, and as you're saying, he was such an authoritative person because of the responsibility, but then he would be able to flip it over onto its head and then run with the coolest joke. I know, I know, that, that was him. That, that was him. You know, it's, I, I, I've worked with so many people in, in radio, and they, they I, I hate to break them down into particular kind of personality types, but you get your anal types, you get your free flowers or what have you type of thing, but he could do absolutely everything. Um, and all we would do is we would, like for example, he would, he would come in, we're busy doing something, and we set it up, and I just have to say to him, okay, you're particularly upset about something that I've just done, um, but, uh, but you're going to make everything better for me or what have you. That's all I had to say to him. 
And then he'd come down I'd, and I'd sit down and I'd start doing a link and he'd say, what's wrong with you? I said, what's wrong? He said, what's, you know, something's clearly bugging you. And I said, well, this and I'd talk about it. And then he'd come back with something. That's all he needed. He didn't need something scripted. He didn't need something. And he just had to know the tone of what we were doing and the, basically the, the brief narrative behind it. And he'd run with it and he'd develop it and he'd make it. And then I'd bounce off him and the whole thing would get completely out of control. But in the end, we'd always bring it back. He was that good. Mm. Are we going to be able to chat about him and his mankini between now and nine o'clock? No. Whatever happens, whatever happens to the beach is a central thing. Stay on the beach is a central thing. I mean, we've been chatting to Daryl since eight o'clock this morning. They met in 1986. They did a breakfast show for 20 years together. Fun and games always. But of course, Johan always having that sense of duty uh, and taking his job extremely seriously. I mean, Dee, do you think that Johan, you know, knew the impact that he had? Absolutely. Absolutely. He was fully aware of it. He would have got, well, he would have dealt with people all the time and they would have told him that. But there's a story I want to tell that, that explains the points that out, but also shows how he connected with it. Is that in the, in the early days of, of Radio Point Natal, we had a traffic helicopter and he would go up every morning. And I would have a button on the desk and I'd press the button and say, chopper one, chopper one, whatever. And that's how we communicated. <laughs> it was striking as strange. There's only one chopper in the air, but somehow it was chopper one. Anyway. <laughs> um, and then, and, and now I'm thinking about four or five months after we, we started. Um, and the station decided to send the chopper up because it was the start of the April holidays to send it up in the evening. And he asked me if he if I wanted to go along. I said, fine, whatever. So he went and we were flying around and it was pretty cool. And then we were flying over, we were just hovering over Paradise Valley and it was getting quite dark. And he's looking down the roads and they crossed over to him and he said, okay, it looks like it's getting dark now, so you know what to do, please switch those headlights on. And at that moment in time, I was looking down the N3 out towards the coast and he just saw everyone just switched their lights on. Mm. I tapped him on the shoulder off and said, did you see that? I said, everyone put their lights on. And he said, yeah, and he just nodded and said, yeah, he knew about it. And he kind of smiled and he said, yep, I know. And, I mean, that was when the radio, there was stations still a double-figure listenership, you know. Nowadays, of course, I mean, it's, it's in his millions. And he, he knew that. He knew that anything that he said would have this multiplying effect on people's behavior. And he took that incredibly, incredibly seriously. And it's so amazing because, I mean, even though he had the following that he did, he never ever once in one never in any which way shape or form did he come across as arrogant or never. entitled or better than you or a celebrity or, or even a personality he was just such a humble soul yeah it's another reason i hated him yeah because i mean <laughs> he was just, he was just he was just remarkably good looking and talented and handsome and funny and whatever type of thing and he was humble you know, if he was overbearing, then you can actually sort of have a reason to 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 to, to be antagonistic towards him. But no, and and everywhere I went, everywhere I went, and and I, I absolutely hated hated public appearances because, as you know, I'm a very shy kind of person. I hated them, and I, I knew that when I went there, and someone would say, "So how's the traffic guy?" That I've actually done my job because I deflected attention away from me <laughs> towards him because he was the hero of the show. Uh, we joined on the line uh, by Daryl Ilbury, uh, who has been reflecting on uh, the legend, Johan van Bargen, who passed away uh, earlier in uh, the week. So what was interesting as well, Dee, was when we've been chatting uh, on and off this week, because I said to you, do you have a picture of me? Uh, do you have a picture of yourself and Johan to send? I'd love to see one of you. And it was like, oh my gosh, this was all like pre-selfie. That's right. Hey, yeah, I mean, how yeah, mad yeah, is we, that? We, we, 
we're, we're, we're that old, you know, we're that old. My great-grandkids, when they bounce on my knee, they say, yeah, Grandpappy, tell us about your radio days, you know, and I have to try and dig through the grey matter. <laughs> You're a legend, don't even. I mean, so much to say, not enough time, but if you had to sum it up, how do you think JVB, Johan van Bargen, the traffic guy, would like to have been remembered? He, he would deflect attention away from himself, as he said. He was very, very humble, but he was very authoritative. He was—he had the, somehow this balance of the sense of duty and his rebelliousness. And I think he would be very, very happy and very content if he knew that there were people who, because they listened to his traffic reports, they managed to to avoid a problem. They managed to get to see their kids in the school play, so they didn't miss that. And there were human uh, events in people's lives that were made possible because he guided them through through uh, dangerous traffic in the morning or if because remember he had he helped thousands of people through his company pro driving tactics and advanced driving skills and that kind of thing and if there are people who are still driving on the roads today um like for example my both my kids went on the advanced driving course his advanced driving course and i know they've avoided possible accidents and if he knew that there were thousands of people out there who had avoided possible accidents because of the skills that he actually gave them and taught them then he'd sit back and he'd sit down and he'd have a cane of coke and he'd say yep i i, I did good i did yeah. good i mean i just received an sms here that says hello darling listening to you chatting to daryl uh, such beautiful memories um hitting me really hard as uh, used to listen to Johan van Bargen. Even though we lived away three k's from Ushaka, we'd always make sure we listened to the traffic guy in case there was congestion on our way to or from work. Big hugs. So, I mean, it's personal. It is personal. It is very, very personal. And he, 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 when he spoke to people, when he, whenever we went to any kind of function or what have you, he spoke to me, he spoke to every single person. He treated them as an individual. And it's very easy in radar, I've seen so many people like that who, who who think the focus is all on them. You know, they go and I'm the celebrity kind of thing. And he was very much a celebrity, but he never he never ever thought that way. And and one person would come to talk to him and speak directly to them one to one. For for him, every listener was someone that he actually reached out and connected with. You know, he he, he treated them as a as as a friend that either really knew or a friend that he'd yet to meet. And I mean that that's. That, for me, is one of the most remarkable things that, 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 that he could actually do. It's been such a joy spending time with you. It's been such a joy. It's been very sad, and, and I'm glad it was you that told me about him when, when you passed. And thanks for keeping me in touch. Always, my Andrew. You know, I'm such a huge fan of you, and I have so much love in my heart for you. And, uh, yeah, I miss you. Yeah, I'll, I'll, miss, I'll miss him as well. All right, my darling. Lots and lots of love. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, man. Okay, D, be well. Jane Lindley Thomas, KZN's number one hit music station, East Coast Radio.